Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranick, a TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. Game one of the NBA Finals played on Wednesday night in Phoenix, and the Suns beating Milwaukee 118-105 as the Suns seek their first ever NBA championship. We'll talk about game one and preview the rest of the series with a longtime Bucks TV voice, Jim Paskey, who announced his retirement earlier this postseason. He'll be our friend of the program, which today is being brought to you by DraftKings. McGregor versus Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings is the official daily fantasy partner of UFC. They're giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. Now, for this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Now, if you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is really easy to play. All you have to do, you pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and then you pile up the points for advances, takedowns, and more. No better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey. DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings, of course, they're safe, they're secure, they're reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, it's the McGregor versus Poirier rubber match, so get in on the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code TBPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code TBPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Also in today's show, we will uh, have some observations about Commissioner Adam Silver and his pre-finals press conference. A couple of issues that uh, he brought up that I want to comment on. And uh, then we'll get right to Jim Paschke. We'll talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Adetokounmpo, and uh, basically the journey that he has been on through 35 years with the Milwaukee Bucks and now at long last getting to the NBA Finals. Bucks have not been to the Finals since 1974 when they lost in seven games to the Boston Celtics. And back in those days, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the Western Conference believe it or not. So Jim Paschke coming up in a little bit. But first, let's get some observations on what Adam Silver had to say yesterday in his press conference. Item number one from Adam Silver uh, was that expansion is not at the top of the NBA agenda at the moment. And I'm sure that that comes as perhaps a little bit of a surprise and certainly some disappointment to people in Seattle. I am sure that they can't wait to get the Sonics back in some form or fashion but uh, at least based on what Adam Silver said yesterday at the finals press conference, does not appear that uh, we're going to have an expansion Seattle franchise anytime soon. I've heard rumors, but that has been unsubstantiated that when the next TV deal comes up, that might be the opportunity for another team or two to be added uh, because then the deals would all be renegotiated and you could renegotiate those based on having 32 teams rather than, uh, you know, under the current deals, the money, TV money is split 30 ways. And so you've got that pool. If you were to just add 32, now the money is split 32 ways and the other 30 uh, owners might be, you know, they're coming up a little short financially. So I don't know if that's really going to be the case. That is one theory that has been put forth as to when the next time the NBA would expand. It seems to me that there aren't candidates for relocation. Um, New Orleans is the one that has been frequently mentioned, but as long as the Benson family owns the Pelicans along with the New Orleans Saints, I think that they're committed 
to keeping the Pelicans in New Orleans. Uh, Milwaukee, obviously, brand-new building, tremendous success, generational talent in Giannis Adetokounmpo, so they're not going anywhere. And all the franchises, despite the fact that that COVID uh, wreaked financial havoc on them, uh, I think most of the franchises are in reasonably good enough financial health that I don't think that there is a relocation option out there. So... If Seattle is to get a team, it's probably going to be via the expansion route. And Adam Silver saying yesterday, don't see that uh, happening, at least not. uh, It's not at the top of the agenda was, I believe, the phrase that he used. Uh, Item number two from Adam Silver. He was asked about the play-in tournament. Uh, He was very positive about it, that the players liked it. Uh, Certainly, I think television had to love it. Uh, it was it was great theater, it was great television. It made so many of the late season games even more important than they might be otherwise. And uh, so for that reason, uh, I he says, look, I've got to talk to Michelle Roberts and she's got to talk to her players. Uh, the owners have to buy into it. The players have to buy into it. So uh, it's it's not a, pardon the basketball pun, a slam dunk, but it's certainly something that seemed to be beneficial for the league. And uh, if the players and the owners all agree on that, then I would imagine that we will have the play-in tournament again next season for seeds seven and eight. Adam Silver also threw this out there saying that there were some suggestions on how to tweak the format. I don't know exactly what that would be, uh, and I'm not going to even not going to even guess. I kind of liked it the way that it was, particularly the way that it worked out for the Grizzlies. Final thing that Adam Silver talked about, and and this is something that maybe flew under the radar a little bit. And he said, you know what? We had a hundred percent increase in rested players this year, which is understandable given where this country and the NBA were with COVID. Totally, absolutely get that. But injuries are still going up. And look, I follow the science. Uh, you know, I believe COVID-19 is real. I believe that the vaccines work. I, you do have to follow the science. And the science, the sports science, seems to say that if you rest players, that they are going to be less susceptible to injury. It sounds somewhat logical, but we're not seeing those results. And that's something that Adam Silver pointed out. You take a guy like Kawhi Leonard. I don't know that there was a more managed player than Kawhi Leonard and yet was not able to play in the Western Conference Finals. You look at a guy like Chris Paul who doesn't take time off and he is still kicking butt in the NBA Finals deep in his career. In fact, the 73 points he scored in the clinching game of the Western Conference Finals and game one of the NBA Finals, it's the highest two-game output of his NBA postseason career. And he's a Hall of Fame player. So, uh, you know, look, if you are going to rest players, and I, I get it, I think you're going to have healthier players, certainly more rested players at the end of the season, but you can't tell me that because you load manage guys that they will avoid injury. Uh, look, you can skip the first half of a back-to-back and then the second half of a back-to-back and go up for a jump shot, defender closes out, lands in your landing area, you turn an ankle, and now you're out for three weeks. Not because you weren't rested, but it was a it was a bad break. And you just have a lot of look, I've seen guys tear ACLs simply because they landed wrong. They landed with a straight leg and their and their leg didn't bend. Or, you know, we saw Giannis with the hyperextension. Uh things are going to happen. And whether you rest guys or not, there are still going to be injuries. So load management, I get it. 
you would think logically that you are going to have healthier, more rested players at the end of the season. I would say you're not guaranteed to have healthier players. You will have more well-rested players at the end of the season. This circles back, however, to a conversation that Brevin and I, and I have had for some time. Coaches right now, you know, the, the coaches don't want to have two-hour practices and they don't want to have long shoot-arounds and they don't want to have real arduous training camps because they, you know, they think that we want to save our players' bodies. Brevin is of the exact opposite school of thought. He believes that training camp is meant to break your body down so it can better respond to the rigors of the season. If you never put it through that certain kind of physical hell that you're not going to be able to perform later in the season. I don't know that science backs that up. That's how he feels about it. But I just thought it was rather interesting that, you know, because the NBA has come up under such criticism, because there have been so many more injuries, because of the compressed schedule, and but by the same token, we're, we're, we're resting guys at a rate that the league has never had before, and yet you're still having injuries. Are those injuries from overuse? Are those injuries simply bad breaks? Guy lands wrong, lands on somebody's foot, takes an elbow to the head, and is in concussion protocol for a week. I mean, Grayson Allen was out, stepped on somebody's foot, got a concussion. Somebody elbowed him in the head. Jonas Valanciunas is out. Somebody elbowed him in the head. That has nothing to do with resting and load management. It has everything to do with the fact that it is a physical game, and sometimes stuff happens. So... I just thought that that was a rather interesting observation from Adam Silver, and, and Chris Paul seemed to validate that as well, saying, like, look, you know, don't, don't take the games off. Go out and play. And uh, he was absolutely fantastic last night, 16 of his points coming up in the third quarter as Phoenix was able to blow that game open. Um, the adjustments that the Bucks are going to have to make, look, switching one through five may sound like a good idea, but if you're going to put Bobby Portis or break, uh, Blake uh, uh, Brooke Lopez out on the perimeter against CP3, that is uh, that is a fool's errand for the Milwaukee Bucks. And um, so I think Mike Budenholzer is going to make some changes. Maybe they got to play small uh, and 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 do what they can. But you get the sense that Chris Paul. Uh, is really relishing this moment. So many times he is more of a facilitator, but I think now he realizes it's time for him to be a star and to to grab the brass ring and get the big ring for an NBA championship, which would be the first for the Phoenix Suns. Milwaukee Bucks going for their second NBA championship. be their first since 1970, I believe. They were also in the finals back in 74, but lost to the Boston Celtics in seven games. Um so it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But uh, the Suns take game one over the Milwaukee Bucks. And a guy who was there to watch game one as a more than interested observer is a longtime voice of the Milwaukee Bucks on the television side, Jim Paschke. Jim Paschke, 35 years behind the microphone as a TV voice of the Milwaukee Bucks, also worked with the Milwaukee Brewers as well, announced his retirement uh, late this season. And uh, he is our friend of the program, and I really appreciate the fact that Jim uh, took some time out from his busy schedule in Phoenix to join me as today's friend of the program. Jim, first of all, let's jump right into basketball and game one. Obviously thrilled to see Giannis able to play, but not thrilled with the result. What were your observations of game one? Well, Pete, I thought the Bucks struggled to 
hit their shots in the first half. So they were playing uphill for much of the game. That was a bit of a problem. Drew Holiday uh, struggled in that first half, came around in the second half a little bit. They put the Suns on the line too much, 25 for 26 on free throws. The Bucks didn't get to the line uh, enough and uh, a few turnovers. But I walked away thinking that the Bucks are certainly not overmatched in this series, particularly with Giannis available now, even if it's not at 100%. And the truth is the Bucks have lost three of their four game ones in the postseason, and the victory came in overtime in game one against Miami in the first round. So uh, they're holding true to form. Uh, you'd like them to get game one, but uh, they've shown that they can survive uh, without getting game one. So we'll see what happens. Watching it on TV, Giannis looked good, close to 100%. You were in the building. What did you see in his performance? Did you see him being Giannis-like? I was watching it very closely to see, you know, if he had the spring in his legs and if he were able to make the normal moves that he does. And I saw all of that. There were a couple of times where I went, oh, boy, that's putting a lot of pressure on it. But he got through it just fine. And uh, I don't know how he feels today. But, uh, you know, what I saw last night looked pretty good. And it's obviously defensively particularly necessary to have him on the court. And offensively, they're going to have to figure out how to mix in the Brooke Lopez game and getting to the rim with Holiday and Lopez along with Giannis. We saw the uh, pounding inside work for the Bucks in the final two games in the Eastern Conference Finals against Atlanta. So, uh, you know, there's some chess to be played yet and some adjustments to be made. How has this journey been like for you? Because we as local telecasters can do the first round, and then after that we have to sit on the sidelines. Um, how difficult has it been or how enjoyable has it been for you to not have to do the games and to watch more as a spectator than as a participant, as a broadcaster? Well, a long time ago, probably not soon enough, but a while ago, I learned to just accept what life gives you. And, and sure, we'd all like to be working all the way through the finals on television. Uh, the league uh, doesn't have it set up that way. So I've enjoyed just being around. I address the crowd outside Pfizer Forum each night, and that crowd has been pushing 20,000 on some nights lately. Uh, and in the finals, uh, they could go up to 25,000 people outside the building, Pete, with 17 inside the building. So it's been exhilarating. Uh, you just do what uh, you can to help out and, and enjoy the process. I'm, I'm in uh, Phoenix for the first two games, so uh, I'm watching the first two finals games of my career and of my life in person. No complaints from me. Of course not. We, we have the greatest jobs in the world, and if we complain, nobody would care anyway. We're visiting with Jim Paskey, longtime TV voice of the Milwaukee Bucks, here on the Grizz Weekly Grind. He's our friend of the program. You announced your retirement later in the season, and you did it in a very unique way with Giannis and you having a conversation. We all know from the outside what a great player he is. Those of us who aren't lucky enough to cover him on a daily basis may not understand what a great person he is. Tell us a little something about Giannis that the average NBA fan may not know. Well, he is exactly what you see. He's so authentic, and he has grown from a very giggly, if you will, uh, lighthearted 18-year-old with uh, an 18-year-old's body back then into what he is today, you know, a, a muscular superhero. But his personality hasn't changed 
And if it has changed, it's only changed for the better as he's traveled around the NBA and the world and grown into uh, further adulthood at age 26. If that's adulthood, <laughs> sometimes you wonder. I don't know if I was an adult at 26, but he is uh, a great person. Uh, he's wonderful to talk to. Uh, he has a worldview. He thinks about a lot of other things uh, than basketball. His upbringing and his background would lead him to consider a lot of things, and he has and does. And we just hit it off. Some people think that we're very close and maybe that we speak all the time. We don't. We sit down once a year and we have a great conversation. I don't take any notes into that conversation. I simply sit down and, and go where he leads me and he follows where I lead him. And usually they have to tell us to stop because we would keep going. We've gone well over an hour with those conversations, but they've always produced very interesting things uh, as he looks at life and I get him to consider different things about his situation. And, you know, he's just a wonderful guy and it's the greatest personal story that I've ever experienced in my 48 years in this business. I mean, we cover a lot of interesting people, a lot of great stories, but his is at the top because of the way he started and the upbringing and the background, selling trinkets in Athens to help feed the family at a very young age, walking to the basketball court a long way from home with his brother, Thanasis. They maybe had one pair of shoes that they could share. They couldn't play together because they had to uh, trade, you know, Giannis had to take the shoes off and give them to Thanasis or vice versa so they could learn and play the game of basketball. So it's a great story. And I hope that people uh, appreciate all of that. And as of today, he's been very true to himself. And you two are at different points in your life. He is at or near the peak of his professional career. You are ending your professional career after a fantastic run with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Milwaukee Brewers and in the state of Wisconsin in general. What's next for Jim Paschke in retirement? Well, right now, Pete, I'm just thinking about slowing my life down a little bit. I want to take some time to maybe do nothing except what the day gives me. I, I look forward to that. I think Marv Albert said it really well. He said, the COVID situation was a dress rehearsal for retirement. And that's exactly what I felt when it started. You know, I was going, Oh boy, this is going to be tough. I don't want to do this. And then as the days went on, I said, Oh, okay. I see now that a day without an agenda can be very enjoyable. And I really, it kind of suits me to just get up and see what happens rather than have a plan. And uh, I'm going to do that for a while, see what comes my way. I'd like to stay involved on some level, whether that be with volunteerism or whatever, uh, travel a little bit around the world when we can get back to that, but just spend time with my family and uh, enjoy. Well, somebody said it the other day, Jim, enjoy the quality time you have left. And that's exactly what I would like to do. Yeah, I think that's a good lesson for all of us. Your career has spanned the days from, I think, what, Channel 18 WVTV in Milwaukee, where there were maybe 20 games on TV, to now where they're all on TV. And I know that you've been heavily involved with the NBA broadcast group as part of their advisory board. You've seen the development of technology. When you think about the entire span of your career, what have been some of the biggest developments since you started with the Bucks? Well, there have been so many uh, on the broadcast side. I always laugh at the fact that when I began, 
broadcast entities would try to save money by doing the home and visitor telecasts out of the same truck. And then they decided that wasn't good television. And now that's all we do. We do both home and visitor broadcasts out of the same truck. The difference is the technology has accelerated to the point where that's possible. And after COVID, production personnel, producers, directors, and all of those folks who are in the TV truck and support us each and every night, a vital part of our team, probably won't travel anymore. It'll be announcers maybe on the road, but those folks, due to technology, can control the trucks from their home cities. And it's all changing. So I think that's the biggest thing. Um, it's been a fascinating ride. I'm so glad that I was able to get involved in that side of it and learn that part of our business. Um, it can be exhausting and, and difficult at times, but you learn a lot about people. You learn a lot about uh, what it takes to put on a telecast in this business, and then you try to do the best you can. So it was a lot of work, but it was work that actually made me a better broadcaster, I think, because I understood the bigger picture uh, you could sit down and do a game and get caught up in the numbers and the results. But you know, I sat down and I was always in the back of my mind thinking, okay, how's it going for the people in the truck? Do we have everything for them, et cetera? And it kind of, you know, rounded everything out for me. So I, I enjoyed that, Pete. And I always tell young people who are interested in the business, I said, I, you need to understand all the different roles, whether that's graphics, the, uh, the score bug or whatever. I think the more that you understand about, so to speak, how the sausage is made, I think it's going to make you a, a better broadcaster and certainly you can understand what's going on there. You had a great run with John McLaughlin and now you're with Marcus Johnson, two buck icons. Um, what was it like to be with those guys who have been heroes in that market forever? Well, it's been wonderful. I, I've been so fortunate with the people that I've been seated next to. I mean, I started with John. We had a 30 year run, which is, you know, doesn't happen very often. Mike and Tommy in Boston had a longer run than we did while John and I were still together. But 30 years is a long time. You become like an old married couple after a while. You know, you squabble and you laugh and you love and, and you work. And it, it's great. Just a wonderful thing. John's a wonderful guy, as you know. Uh, he's done so much for the community with the MAC Fund raising over $80 million. And I'm probably low on that number now these days for childhood cancer research. And so uh, just a terrific human being. I've worked with Sidney Moncrief. I've worked with uh, a lot of people. Jim Jones was in for a while when John took some time off. Uh, on and on the list goes. And then all of a sudden, Marcus Johnson and Steve Novak uh, show up on the scene. And, and it's been wonderful the last five or six years with those two gentlemen. Marcus works so hard, knows the game. It's his life. He's really into it. And uh, we hit a stride, I think, that uh, worked for the audience. They enjoyed it. Uh, and it really was great for me because I could just do the game and, and Marcus would cover every X and O, nut and bolt that there was. And, and we got into some great conversations. And then Steve Novak is, uh, you know, recently retired from the league. So he's plugged into the current game. So it was a really nice mix for me. Uh, Marcus did the bulk of the game. Steve did a few, but I enjoyed the back and forth working with those two guys. And then we have a third person and we've had great courtside reporters. Zora Stevenson now with us is, uh, uh, you know, she played the game, understands the game. I, I defer to her on basketball knowledge and uh, we've had a great team. So uh, I leave the Bucks broadcast team with it being in better shape than when I got there. 
And uh, that has nothing to do with me. It's just the way it has evolved. And I think they've done a wonderful job having the best people they can find in Milwaukee to present the games. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your friendship as a colleague. We're certainly going to miss you around the NBA trail and also the knowledge that you shared with the the rest of us in the business. It is very, very much appreciated. And for those who don't know my history, yeah, I grew up in northeastern Wisconsin listening to Jim Irwin and Eddie Doucette back in the day. And so the Bucks were my, my first NBA team. So if the, if the Grizzlies can't win the NBA championship, I'm pulling for the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, Jim, it's been great to have this conversation. I know you're super busy there in Phoenix, and we really do appreciate the time. Pete, it's my pleasure. You've been a great friend over the years, and uh, you're going to have the same career I hope that I've had. And I, I wish that for everybody in the league. And just an aside on these finals, you know, Al McCoy, uh, 49 years with Phoenix. This is his third venture into the finals. It's my first. Neither one of us has experienced a championship. So uh, one of us is going to be very happy, Pete, and the other will be happy for the other. So uh, that's the brotherhood and the sisterhood and the family that we're a part of in the NBA. And it's been spectacular. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate Jim joining me for our conversation today, the morning after the Milwaukee Bucks dropped game one to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, as Jim pointed out, uh, all of us who call the games, uh, we know each other very well. We're all very friendly. We all pull for one another. Uh, either Jim or Al McCoy, the only radio voice the Phoenix Suns have ever had, will get an NBA championship ring this year. I, I wish there was some way that both of them could get a championship ring, both of them long and distinguished service to the NBA and to their respective franchises. So uh, wishing both of them a lot of luck. But as I said, I'm a Wisconsin boy, born and raised, and uh, hoping for the Bucks to uh, somehow pull this one out. That does it for this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. Today's show brought to you in part by Hoop City Basketball. A Hoop City Basketball Club summer camp has the Desmond Bain shooting camp number two coming up. It will be July 26th through the 29th for ages 5 to 14. Price for camp, $295. If you want to have lunch as part of that as well, add $30 to that. Registration is going to close on July 26th, but these camps do have a tendency to sell out. So if you have not gotten your young person uh, signed up for this, please do so. The camp includes a couple of Grizzlies game tickets, also 28 hours of expert instruction with drills, skill development contests, and games, a Desmond Bain Camp t-shirt, a certificate of achievement at the end of camp awards ceremony, and a whole lot more. If you want information or if you want to get your young person involved, call Scott Robinson. You can reach Scott at 317-490-5948, or you can email him at hoopcitycamps at yahoo.com. That's hoopcitycamps at yahoo.com. And whether you call or email Scott, please tell him that you heard about the Desmond Bain shooting camp on the Grizz Weekly Grind. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.